0: And also to get a bit more specific, but I so, suppose what makes like CRT as a method a little bit more distinct and this comes up in the Bell article mm-hmm. is, you know, like the use of kind of storytelling. So he talks about yeah. how like some of the scholarship talks about like concrete experiences. And I would say that like see people who are against CRT give uh, scholars of CRT or kind of like they give them a lot of shit for this like emphasis on narrative because they're like narrative is just stories like it's not actually you're, you're actually getting away from. The tradition of trying to come to sort of like generalizable truths and instead you're telling particular stories and you're kind of implying that they like update like they can apply to something um broader but i think i guess the usefulness of these stories is to basically give a sense of sort of like the lived experience the texture of what it's like to experience <clears throat> um certain like uh you know interfacing with Ah, uh, the legal infrastructure in a way that get, ends up being like racist, or or in, or in, in, interfacing with culture in a way that's racist, and by having these sort of like first-personal accounts, you get. You could even think about it. I, I I was thinking about it in terms of just like phenomenologically, right? It's like you get a more detailed account of like what it feels like uh, to be experiencing or to be coming into contact with these larger structures. And um, the other thing I would say, like maybe a useful distinction also is. That one of the things that CRT and I think also I take that critical legal studies in general was doing this right when you but with specifically in the context of racism right you talk about de jure versus de facto racism right and like uh, critical race theory I think is concerned with yeah just because you changed laws de jure you got rid of the racist laws doesn't mean that that de facto there's not actually racist or, or racist outcomes still occurring. And I think CRT is really interested in examining all those de facto outcomes that still uh, have like kind of these racist or perpetuate um, racially unequal outcomes. Can you give an example?
1: Yeah, like, take, a, take the meritocracy one. Uh, that's a really good example that's very hot right now, right? Especially because people are becoming more wary of this term, right? Uh, typically speaking, the law is assumed uh, because it takes a liberal standpoint uh, that A neutral society is one where we're all formally equal under the law uh, and we all compete with one another in the marketplace, right? Uh, And this is seen as just isn't usually the word used, but essentially just and neutral, right? It doesn't privilege one group over another. Uh, CRT scholars will point out, though, how if you just assume that everyone is formally equal under the law and participating in competition in the market, that doesn't take into account how one group has essentially been handicapped by extraordinarily racist policies for centuries, right, which might inhibit them being able to compete as successfully as others. Uh, and this is, of course, not the fault of the marginalized group. It's the fault of the oppressors. right? Uh, and so we can't even begin to talk about something like a meritocracy until we try to essentially compensate uh, for this long history of historical marginalization. And through the 1970s and the 1980s, one of the ways that people tried to do this was through things like affirmative action programs by saying, look, one of the things that we might be able to do is by getting more people of color into the legal system, precisely because, as Victor said, they'll understand what it's like to experience these forms of racial marginalization. Um, But, you know, critics came along and said, well, that's not fair because what you're essentially doing now is privileging one group over another when it comes to competitions uh, for spaces in law schools. Uh, And gradually, you know, the kind of wave of affirmative action programs that were actually quite effective at bringing more people of color into the legal system uh, started to recede and the legal system, if you want to put it this way, re-whitened, right? Uh, But, you know, this is a real demonstration uh, of how it is that something that liberals at least presume is neutral on the face of it. uh, Formal equality under the law, competition in a meritocratic society uh, actually privileges one group over another um, because it doesn't take into account all this history uh, and all the problems associated with it.
0: And there's also a bunch of also stats that you can look at, right? Like there's things about how you know like uh, uh, people like children of color for example in schools are like more likely to be like punished more harshly by their teachers for like uh, for like the same infraction like little things like that that don't that right like that just happen at the level of culture and society kind of like subtly even though we've like obviously the states has gotten rid of all their formally. Uh, racist laws, there's still all these things happening right at the lived level that uh, and I think CRT scholarship is really interested in drawing attention to those things. And they do a lot of them do use, you know, empirical methodology in addition to using this more kind of like storytelling um, approach.
1: Relative to this, the uh, conservatives freaking out over it. It's actually a lot of boring stuff. I mean, just yeah. <laughs> looking at case law, looking at like conviction rates, looking at sentencing rates, and it's just a lot of of, of numbers. So, it's, oh,
0: yeah. I mean, there, there there is there is an edge though to it that is like uh, obviously um, more um, political. So, I think even in the Bell article, he says, you know, and he's, yeah. I think he's talking about Angela Harris, who's one of the other like kind of main um founders of crt you know that for for her crt is defined by like two approaches right radical critique of the law so it's like a deconstructionist project you want to like undermine it but then also combined with like a radical emancipatory uh reconstructionist approach which is trying to rebuild these systems in a way that um uh, that is like normatively uh emancipatory and I think one of the things that she talks about, too, one of the things that, like, you know, I will say I have some real disagreements like with CRT, but that doesn't mean like we should be hysterical about banning it. Right. But like, you know, one of the th- things she says is, you know, that uh, liberalism, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, that we want to preserve an egalitarian strain in CRT. But we want to say that, um, you know, it's not because it was there in liberalism. It's in spite of liberalism. And I, of course, like, I would contest that, like, liberalism, I think that the, the the normative emancipatory core of liberalism is important. A lot of CRT scholars want to try to reject that. And just on intellectual grounds, like, I'll disagree with that. But that doesn't mean that I don't think, uh, you know, the 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 discipline itself shouldn't be taught uh, in, or, or should be, like, you know, um, demonized in such a strong kind of hysterical manner that conservatives are.
1: The point is, this is a very far cry from Robin DiAngelo getting paid to, like, de whiteify fortune 500 companies kind of thing with her consulting Mm -hmm. fees i also think this probably seems less radical to to you uh coming from a post-structuralist background than it would to somebody trained uh in the formal legal profession right so i'll tell you that even when i was doing my llm At quite a left-wing school, people had absolutely no problem referring to what they called the science of law, right? Uh, That was the kind of model that we were aiming for, right? Law is a collection of rules. These apply to physical phenomena in the same way that scientific rules apply to empirical phenomena in their respective disciplines. Right. Uh, And this image of law as a formalistic set of rules that applies neutrally to the body politic is extremely alluring to lawyers. Right. Once you and lawyers and judges and other legal officials, once you challenge it, you really suggest that actually the way that law is implemented depends a lot on the biases and opinions and value systems of legal officials. So it's not neutral. Right. Uh, And. This opens space to start to ask things like, well, whose interest does law ultimately serve? Why should I respect your interpretation of the law? Or if you want to go further, far enough with it, you can even ask the anarchic question. If law just serves X people's interests uh, and is just reflective of their interpretation of what it should be, uh, why should I obey the law? Right. That's their interpretation. This is what they think is important. That's not my set of values. I don't care. Right. Uh, And one of the things that CRT has pointed out is that law was in the United States and elsewhere constructed to serve the interests of one racial group over another, right? Uh, and this leads a, a serious questions about why certain groups in society should see be themselves as being beholden to American law or other forms, of course, of law,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, and I think, um, and actually just to pick up on that quickly, there's a part in the Bell article where he's quoting another critical race scholar, Calmore, talking about objectivity, right? And this is probably, you know, and I think Matt's exactly right, that, that for those of us who have some contact in academia with post-structuralism, like... This idea so like he's quoting calmore uh Beltas says you know we insist for example that abstraction put forth as rational or objective truth smuggles the privileged choice of the privilege to depersonify their claims and then pass them off as if they're universal authority universal good right this is just like classic kind of post-structuralist skepticism of of like of like these kind of broad capital t truth claims you know
1: yeah and again all this stuff was very novel uh in legal circles when it was introduced in the 1980s, right, particularly under the law and literature, um, and actually law and uh, deconstruction kind of movements, right? Uh, and CRT has picked up on a lot of that to try to show that even the language of law can have a kind of racial coding to it. Again, take the language of meritocracy, right? The assumption that we are all free and equal and treated as free and equal under the law, which is something, for instance, the 14th amendment is supposed to secure, right? Uh, doesn't actually bear out in material practice, right? Uh, So, when judges apply what seems like a neutral rule about equality, um, they're actually dealing with people who are fundamentally treated unequally in material reality, right? Uh, So, they might actually need to be quite progressive and radical, and actually, in order to bring about a genuine uh, system of equality, which is, of course, what conservatives don't want under any circumstances, right? Uh, So, they prefer to insist that law be interpreted very narrowly uh, and Formalistically, uh, since that inhibits the propensity to try to say that, well, since there's this disjunction between the formal language of the law uh, and what's actually true in material reality, we need to actually try to live up to our principles by bringing society more into line uh, with since it's the egalitarianism of the 14th Amendment.